is up, everybody, and welcome to the BAMcast. I'm your host, Baker Shields, and it's my goal to help you to learn, grow, and evolve by any means necessary. Today's guest is Ashley Conrad. Ashley has had one of the craziest lives that I have ever heard about. She was a D1 athlete. She played basketball at USC. She was the lead boxing trainer for Adidas being flown all around the world. Same thing with bodybuilding.com. She ended up being asked to go onto the advisory council because her content on the platform was doing so well. And she ended up creating one of the top selling supplement brands on their platform when bodybuilding.com was absolutely at its peak. So many more things that she's done. She was a celebrity trainer. She worked with Bradley Cooper, Kate Hudson, Kristen Bell, Ashley Benson, Penelope Cruz, so many, P. Diddy. This woman has done literally everything. So I think you guys are going to think this episode is really cool. We actually have a really cool conversation towards the end as well. Living in California, she talked about kind of the political landscape and where we're at in America and some of the things that she's experienced just living in the state. So I think you guys are really going to love this episode. To make sure that you don't miss this one or any more, make sure that you subscribe. Whether you're listening to this on an audio platform, follow the show, or on YouTube, make sure that you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes that we have planned. Without further ado, let's get in and talk to Ashley Conrad. Ashley Conrad, what's up? I am so, so excited for this conversation because I feel like every time that you and I talk, obviously we, we started working together recently with AR and, and your brand Clutch and Clutch Body Shop and everything. Um, but every time that you and I talk, we end up on like a bunch of different topics of just like random stuff that either we just like connect on or like go deeper into, we're both passionate about or some random crazy story of like, I find out something new that you've done or accomplished every time that we talk. So I'm super excited to kind of just pick your brain, dive into all this stuff. And, and, uh, we already, you already gave me the, there's nothing off limits. So you can't right. go back on right. that now. Cause we're recording. Okay. 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 All right. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, okay. So you were a, I know you were a college collegiate athlete. You were a basketball player at USC. Yes. Okay. So what, <clears throat> What, what was your childhood and everything like growing up? Because you've obviously been in athletics and fitness and performance your entire life since then. Mm -hmm. what, what directed you down that path from an early age? Yeah. So I, um, I was just, I honestly was born an athlete. Okay. Like I used to come home from preschool and there was a certain specific, I mean, this was great branding towards kids. There was a specific cereal that I ate because yeah. of the picture of the professional athlete on the front of it. So, okay the time I was young, I was just drawn to sports. Was it like Wheaties? Like the It wasn't Wheaties. It was some sort of Cheerio, but it wasn't okay. the Cheerio brand. It was delicious though. But I remember being literally I was in preschool and I'd be like, mm -hmm. I've got to get home and I've got to eat the cereal and then I've got to go do something. Like I've got to yeah. go run and try and get fast. Okay. And mm -hmm. so I, I share that because, you know, I wasn't a normal, <laughs> I literally was not a normal child, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, from the time I had the ability to freely think and understand and had any sort of self-awareness, I wanted to be a professional athlete. So, um, yeah, I mean, I grew up playing every sport, every sport, every sport that you can imagine and was, um, always on teams with boys, you know, cause this is before this is in the eighties. Right. So they didn't really separate out. Um, so I would be on all-star teams with all boys and me. <laughs> and so that was essentially my childhood. And then moving into high school, I mean, I'm going to say something that's probably trigger warning for liberals everywhere, but um, it was great to then just have to compete against women because when you've spent your whole life competing against boys, especially when they're coming into adolescence in eighth grade, you know, high school was easier 
you know, on a competition side. So yeah, I was always driven by sports. I just always, I always love, absolutely loved to compete. And I also love the aspect of working towards a goal and then like, which was hell, right? Cause I always trained really, really hard, especially once I got into high school, cause I wanted yeah. to play professional sports, but I just loved the process of like, you go in, you go in and you crush yourself. You, you put yourself through all of these things all to be able to compete for two hours. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, so that, that was my upbringing and my parents, um, you know, from kind of a young, <laughs> from kind of a young age, they were like, okay, our daughter's like a little bit different. Look like crazy. I would, my, yeah, my dad would say to me, I remember, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget on 4th of July, he had asked me, do you want to go, do you want to go race a mile? Cause there was mm-hmm. this 5k and then there was a one miler for all the kids yeah. of the runners. So he woke me up at 5am. You want to go do this? Sure. Yeah, I'll go do it. And he tells this story where all these parents, right? Cause the area that I grew up in running is a big thing. The big Sur marathon is here. And so all the parents were kind of standing around talking like, we've got little Timmy training with this person, you know, who's won, you know, these marathons and they're all kind of bragging on their kids and who they were training with for specifically for running. So they turned to my dad and they're like, so who's your daughter training with? And he said, Oh, she's not training with anybody. I just woke her up this morning and asked her if she wanted to do this. They're like, well, which, which one is she? And he goes, Oh, here she comes. Here she comes now. And me and this other boy were coming as the front runners, just like gunning it around the corner. I ended up winning, mm-hmm. you know, the one mile. And these parents were just like, we've spent all this money. And so it was just, I always had this like insatiable competitive, competitive edge from a very young age. I just like love to compete, love to win. And that essentially drove, you know, my, that has driven my entire career from a young age, whether it was sports or business, you know, I just, I love to compete. I love to win. I love to be the best. Yeah. And I, I think that there's a, you always find like the, the people that are the most successful, they have a, a background that's grounded in something like that. Yeah. Um, a lot of people will have a, you, funny enough, you see a lot of entrepreneurs, they have like a background in skating and mm-hmm. like, like skateboarding. Yes. Yep. Um, and I, I don't have a background in that, but I, my background is kind of like rooted in athletics and stuff like you. But I think really what it is, is, is you find out in something else early on in life. I always call it the, like the equation, right? So like hard work and consistency over time equals results. Absolutely. And the easiest place to see something like that is in a physical perspective. So for me, it yeah. was, it was basketball. So mm-hmm. I, you know, my dad would always <clears throat> growing up, he would always buy like these basketball programs and they'd be, I found, I actually found an, a hard drive that was like a three gigabyte hard drive or something like one of the smaller ones that they, we had yeah. at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just full of all a bunch of the programs that he had bought me, but he would always buy these and be like, he would basically leave it up to me. Like, Hey, this is here if you, yeah. you want to use it. Completely. Um, and so I would like take those and, and, initially I was kind of like, this is stupid. Like I'm just more sore and you know, it's, kid. you know, I've got time, you know, to develop and get better and everything. And I was always like decent at basketball, but Mm -hmm. my my junior and senior year of high school, I really um, like dove into those trainings and doing like one workouts with just myself at the gym. And I would like either bring one of my parents as a rebounder or like get a friend to come and all. And it was, so like I would always just I would just get the key to the gym and just go yeah. go and work hard and yes. and I started to see like yeah I started to get like more automatic with my shot my my mm-hmm. handles and everything were improving and it was it kind of just solidified for me at a younger age like okay I'm doing all I have to do is just do the thing yeah. day in and day out 
And at the end of <clears throat> X amount of time, right, mm -hmm. results will start to come pouring in. Absolutely. And, and, and that's what happened for me, right? Like I, my points for gaming increased and my my output increased. And I was the guy that they just, we did, we played me at every position and I never got taken off the court. And like it was all of those things started to kind of happen. And then I saw, I saw the exact same thing happen with, with bodybuilding, with strength training, with fitness yeah. too. Yeah. And so that I think is, is kind of where every high performer ends up getting rooted in is something at a younger age yeah. you stuck to more longer than maybe the people around you or your peers or you worked harder at than the people yeah. around you or your peers and that equation just gets solidified in your mind and Absolutely. once you have that equation once you understand it the ways that you can apply that are are literally limitless like you yeah, can do are. that anywhere 100 so when you had that equation, right, you took that to basketball, you took that into athletics, you took that into running, you <clears throat> went and played at USC, right, which is a D1 college basketball program. What was your experience like there? It was interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think I, I didn't realize, you know, I didn't realize as a high school athlete that the politics that are involved in college sports. Right. And so it definitely was not what I expected. I'm not saying anything poor about the program, but I just, I didn't understand the business of college, college sports. Um, and so, you know, but it was a great experience for me in this sense that it was really the first time in my life that I learned the hard lesson that sometimes you'll train the hardest, you'll be the hardest worker, you'll do all the right things and things aren't going to work out. Yep. Right. And that, that really, I mean, it was a, when, the, because I wanted to play professionally, I got to USC, I hardly played. I totally rode the bench. Um, I won't get into all the reasons for that. Um, mm -hmm. but that's where I learned about the politics of college of college sports. Right. And yeah. in hindsight, I should have gone to a different school. We had the number, we had the number four recruiting class in the country the year that I got there. And so I was also there with all of these huge super, I mean, they were just, they were great, but also there were more things at play. I'll yeah. put it like that. So okay. in any case, but that lesson was so valuable to me because I was like, okay, sometimes you're going to give something you're all like in as cheesy as it sounds, you're going to give something your all and it's actually not going to work out for you. And that it took me a long time to actually reconcile that yeah. because when you grow up for 18 years where you're like, if I just do all of the right things, I outwork everybody. I, you know, like you I think one of the most valuable things that sports teaches you is that, that love, that sacrifice. Like I would, I was the person that would go into the gym. And once I learned that Michael Jordan didn't leave the gym until he made a thousand shots, yeah. I wouldn't leave the gym until I made a thousand shots. When my mm -hmm. friends were partying on Friday night, like normal yeah. high schoolers, I had the key to my high school gym and I would shoot in the dark mm -hmm. with just moonlight to like hone my skills. Right. And so it was a very college for me was like a big blow, but also an incredibly valuable lesson, like on how, how to learn how to pick yourself up when things don't work out. Right. And we get those micro lessons being in sports growing up, which are so valuable, which is look, you can train, you can prepare, you can do all these things. And sometimes you're just going to have an off game. 
And you have to learn how to navigate through that. You know, for me, not being able to play professionally and college not going the way that I had anticipated, it was an absolute blow to me. It actually, like, I've been so disciplined up to that point that when that happened, I was like, I'm just going to let myself live like a normal person now for a week or two, meaning I'm going to let myself eat things that I wouldn't. I wouldn't normally eat because I was maniacal about every single thing that I put into my body. Mm-hmm. And that on the other side of that, it turned into me gaining tons of weight. I mean, I was 182 pounds. I went mm-hmm. from being this absolute specimen of a human um, that my first day on campus at USC that the then editor in chief of fitness magazine, which was the biggest women's health magazine at the time yep. approached me. He saw me training on the track and offered me, this massive deal. He's like, I can turn you into the biggest fitness model in the world. Like we should let's work together. And at that time there was no NIL deals. So you couldn't endorse, you couldn't make any money as a college athlete because you would give up the ability to play college sports. Right. So, um, but cut to, yeah, I gained, I put on tons of weight because I thought I'm just going to eat for a week or two and enjoy myself. And I didn't realize at the time, right, we all have to learn this lesson at some point in our life that whatever you turn to in a low moment becomes your master. Yep. Right. It, And you don't realize you're doing that to yourself. You're like, I'm just going to do this and then I'll just stop doing it in a couple of weeks. But from that like emotional state that I was in, once that sugar and those like high fat foods hit me, I, I, I had a like I just couldn't stop. It was like you know, the floodgates were open. The floodgate, yeah, the floodgates completely opened. And I mean, I was depressed. I was I, looking back. It's like boohoo. You d- you didn't get to fulfill your dream of playing professional sports. But at that time, it was a huge deal to me. Like I was literally having this identity crisis because mm-hmm. I think people who grow up being like celebrated athletes from the time that you're young, then when you remove whatever whatever that identity is that's attached to us when we're young. And if it, especially if that thing is something that makes us special, when suddenly you're no longer that thing, that's going to leave the person also going, well, now, now what, what makes me special now? Oh, nothing. Because this is the only, this is the one thing that my whole life gained you popularity, notoriety. Everybody wants to be your friend. Everyone says, this is Ashley. She's da, da, da athlete. Right. And so I think that, especially in my work now, I think that that idea of identity is so important, right? Because a lot of times we attach ourselves to these different seasons of our life. And then it's impossible when that ends, you know, people start to break down, whether that's like a relationship or accomplishments, or they're in a specific career and they want to shift into something new. And it becomes difficult because Mm -hmm. like, well, but I'm this, can I even do this? (laughs) Like, is this even, can I? And so I went through that and, um, and gained a ton, like just a ton of weight, a ton of weight. And it ended up, um, catapulting me into what I do now. You know, I think without that, up to that point, I was so disciplined and machine-like, like I was a very regimented, even child. Right. And so, going through a period of time and up to, up to that moment, I would have told you on a fitness side, oh, people who are overweight, they're just undisciplined. 
all they need to do is be more disciplined. Like I had no compassion for people that couldn't lock in and live a disciplined life. I didn't understand that emotional component. Mm -hmm. And so once I gained that weight, then when I was ready to take it off, and then finding myself in the throes of that addiction to food. In the opposite it, spot, yeah. It humbled, it humbled me so much because number one, I never thought that I would find myself 182 pounds. And then two, I never imagined that this like highly regimented human being, which I had been my whole life, once I decided, okay, I'm ready to stop this, I couldn't. Mm -hmm. like, I couldn't just shut it off. And that going through that experience was one of the best things that literally ever happened to me, especially, you know, from a humility standpoint, from understanding human behavior and the things that people go through. And then also obviously what I do for a living. Yeah. Relatability too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Com completely. Mm -hmm. Because, and that's why so many diet and fitness plans fail people mm -hmm. because the assertion is, oh, you just need a plan. Well, that's what I learned at that age. Like I knew exactly what to do and what not to do, mm -hmm. but my issue wasn't, I didn't have the information of what to do. It was that emotionally, right. I was heartbroken. I was disappointed. I was in a depressed state. And when you're there, you seek pleasure. And so, yeah, I mean, even today, I mean, that, like I draw upon that experience all the time and it made me so much better, obviously at my job, because if you can't understand those nuances of why somebody is polluting their body or damaging themselves, how can you really help them? You can't. Yeah. You absolutely exactly. can't. I've got a couple of, <clears throat> so you kind of mentioned the, you know, the athlete, I think, I think a lot of people can kind of resonate with that, that idea, right? The, the uncle Rico's right. If you've seen Napoleon dynamite, um, but it's it's the guy or the girl that that kind of peaked in high school or peaked in high totally. school, won the state oh championship, God. right? If they wouldn't have had that knee injury, or if they wouldn't have totally. had that, if that one yeah. scout or that one coach would have just looked at them a little differently, like yes. their whole life could have changed. And it's it's something that <clears throat> a lot of people struggle with in terms of even in business. Truly, yeah. is like an entrepreneur might start a business and have an absolutely massive first strike, right? Like first yes. first go of it. They have yeah. a massive, super successful business and they just think that this is mm -hmm. business. Business is easy, right? Like yeah. this is, we can do, I could do this again, right? And then from yeah. then on, they kind of struggle or they see other other hurdles that that maybe they typically would have in most cases if they hadn't just struck gold encountered in the first place. And and now it looks completely different. Now they have to yeah. learn a different set of skills and, and things. And so something that that I think that you've done a fantastic job of from just hearing that story is not letting that define you forever, right? And, and it sounds like you struggled for a little bit, but you still fought and clawed your way out of that instead of just sitting in that for the yeah. rest of your life. Because I, I know people, I'm from small town Oklahoma. I know people that still have, yeah. from, that are my parents' age, that, that still have the exact same mentality and will talk about their high school sports careers and their, you know, totally. all these things that happened to them, yeah. right? At the same restaurants in the same spots with the same people or really anybody that'll listen. Yeah. And it, it is something that I think a lot of people struggle to get away with. And so mm -hmm. tagging, tackling the, the identity side of things is so crucial. And so I have, I have an idea. One thing that I like to do on the podcast is throw in like quotes or ideas and kind of just have the, my guest, um, kind of like consider them. So I'm, I'm going to give you, this is something from another guest okay. that I think, um, all, 
I think he would love it if you would you would use it and, and kind of okay. run with it. So it's it's he noticed something. His name is Jared, Jared Hamilton to kind of mm-hmm. give him his his credit and his flowers. He is very big on his. He has a podcast. It's got three hundred plus episodes called Dieting from the Inside Out. Um, really really big in the psychology side of things. He's got this idea he created called the Coma Letter, and I think you'll really appreciate this because it it is a powerful powerful idea. So <clears throat> he was noticing that. Um, you know, we can attack all these emotions and everything. We can, um, you know, give you the plan. We can give you the perfect meal plan, the perfect macro plan, the perfect workout plan, but it's not going to, nothing changes unless something actually shifts inside of you. Yeah. Like, yeah, we can say go shift your identity, but people are always like, well, what is that? How do I do that? Right? Like what's an actionable, what's, what's something that I can grab onto and be like, okay, I'm changed now. Um, so what he does is he frames it like this. So Picture that you're going in, you have something, you're going to have a, a brain surgery, okay? You sit down in the chair and right before, like you're all, all prepped up and the, right before you're about to really go back into the, the surgical room, the um, neurologist or the doctor comes in, the surgeon, and says, hey, Ashley, there's there's something I need you to do for me. There's a 50-50 shot just because of where this is placed that we're going to go in and mess with. There's a 50-50 shot that we might hit the reset button when we're in there. Mm-hmm. Right, you might come out and nothing's changed and you're all good, but there's a yeah. 50-50 shot that I might hit the reset button. So, what I would like to do is I'd like you to write a letter to you about who you are. Okay? And put in as much in there as you can, write down everything about yourself, your name, your birthday, like everything from top to bottom so that we're not relying on somebody else to fill you in on who you are later on. You can actually hear it from yourself. Okay, yeah. so 50 50 shot. I need you to go ahead and do that. You got 30 minutes. So yeah. I'll see you on the inside here in a second. Okay, so <clears throat> Jared has this fantastic just build up to this whole thing. He talks about that concept and he says, I don't know about you, but me, right? If I thought there was an idea that I was going to have everything wiped, I'd be, I wouldn't be writing down, I'm depressed. I struggle with emotional eating. I. I'm not yeah. really motivated to go into the gym. I I wouldn't be writing down all of these negative things that yeah. might actually be true about myself right now. I'm going to go in and I'm going to write down, you're a millionaire. You just had kind of a tough month because you donated all to charity. Yeah. You have a huge yeah. thriving business. You're fit. You love food and it, you mm-hmm. use it in a way that fuels you properly and makes your body feel good and look good. You're Absolutely. a bodybuilder. You're And he, he just starts listing off all this stuff. Yeah. And he's like, that's what anybody would do if they truly had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So he makes his clients write that coma letter so that they can actually step, identify what this identity even looks like awesome. and then step into that. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that kind of uh, idea, I guess, or, or framing of mind? I mean, well, scripture says that as a man thinketh, so is he. Yep. Right. And so look, there's been like, there's tons of new age and gurus and all of this. Right. But to me, all of this comes down to the way that we're designed, the way that God designed us. And he designed us to where everything that we think becomes something in our body. Like the moment you think a thought, your body begins to reinforce that thought. So yeah, no, I'm, I completely agree with that. And it, you know, it is the hardest, it is one of the hardest things because I watch so many people. I mean, to me, it's spiritual bondage where you're, you are literally stuck in who you were before. You're not that person anymore. That is over. Right. And I think it's when I see people that get stuck in these pockets, it's so clear to me. It's because they they don't think they have a future like you need to be more invested in your future than anything else. 
right? And when people, like people who win, and I've worked for people who are just like animals, they just win, but they are so, they're not worried about what happened yesterday. They'll like pick up the lessons and then they move on because they're so focused on what's going to happen tomorrow. What am I going to build tomorrow? They're not like, oh, living off of yesterday's glory. (laughs) I like to call it, right? And yeah, I completely agree with that because the entire reason that I got stuck in that period of time is because I was still lamenting, oh, I thought it was going to turn out this way and that way. And I deserved for it to turn out. Well, stuff happens in life, right? And people who win are the ones that can depart from everything that was and go, this is who I want to be. This is who I want to become. And then begin to boldly move forward in that direction. People can't break addictions and they can't form new habits. If they still believe even one of their core beliefs or limiting beliefs is that they're an undisciplined person who constantly eats garbage food and that they're never going to be a healthy person, they're they're not going to do it. Like we fight for the things that we find value in right? And the things that are worth it to us. And so, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, sadly, they, they want to stay victims, Yep. right? They want to, because it is so much easier to stay there because the alternative, like transformation, the cost to truly transform yourself, not just physically, but to become something new, it's war. Yeah. It's like everything full on war with yourself. It's like ripping your flesh apart and people, our culture has just gotten so satisfied with sitting back in mediocrity and going, no, these things should be given to me. I shouldn't have to like learn to discipline myself and learn to develop good habits. I, this should just come easily to me. I mean, this is why so many people right now are on things like Ozempic and all this garbage, right? That's actually very harmful to their health. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it really starts with who, like, who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? And who do you see yourself as? And every like every teaching you'll ever watch or read starts there. Like what you believe about yourself and what you believe about your capacities to win and what you believe about your purpose and calling here will ultimately determine what you do with your life, right? People who place a high value on themselves, not from an ego standpoint, but like, they're like, no, my life matters. God put me here for a reason and for a purpose. Mm -hmm. They have a tendency, you know, when they have the capacity to go, no, I'm not going to focus on the negative. I'm going to pick up the lessons and I'm going to move on. They have the ability to reinvent themselves multiple times, mm-hmm. right? Cause they're not interested in what they did yesterday. They're like, well, what's next? Who cares? Like for me, I wake up every morning. I'm like, okay, what I did yesterday or what I did five years ago or 10 years ago, all of those things that are impressive to people like on my resume, they're not impressive to me about me at all because that's mm-hmm. over now. It's like, what am I going to do now? <laughs> yeah. What am I going to do today? What am I going to do a month from now? What am I building into? What's my impact? Right. And I, when you have that vision for your life, it doesn't really matter what your career is, but having vision for yourself in your life and constantly trying to move towards something. If you don't have that, you are going to, you're going to get crushed. You are going to get crushed that. under the weight of obstacles, under the weight of disappointment, under the weight of the things that life throws at you because you will sit like in a pile of, you know, what going, 
why am I still covered in, you know, why am I still covered in this? Well, because you need to get up and go rinse yourself off and get moving. Yeah. Right. And yeah. It's, it's a, the funny thing is, is that the second that you start, so I'm, I'm in it right now with, with 75 hard. We're on day 53 as of filming yeah. this, um, like yeah. 56 as of when, when this actually goes live. But <clears throat> One of the first things that whenever you really dive into something like a 75 hard or like an intense fat loss transformation, or, you know, I always used to be, especially when, when I was younger in severe bulks and then severe cuts and you yeah. know, anything, anytime you go into like a, a fat loss phase or something that's super disciplined or requires a lot of discipline, one of the first shifts that you notice is not actually physical. You notice some physical stuff, but I, I always notice personally within the first couple of weeks everything shifts from out there to in here. And what I mean by that is like, you know, you've, you've probably heard of like your locus of control, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, that means where, where you're viewing internally control is at is the control. Mm -hmm. Everything outside of you is, is controlling what happens to you and what, what your schedule looks like and what your mentality is and what your emotions are and all that. Or is it, I control my schedule. I control if I make it to the gym or not. I control what I eat today. Right. And it's so easy to slip. Even if you're a disciplined person, it's so easy to slip back and forth between that. But that is one of the first things that you notice. And so it's funny that you talk about, you know, victim mentalities and and um, people that that are just stuck in in blaming everything else. It's it is hard for people that have never experienced that switch to understand that that switch is even accessible to them. Yeah, right. Totally. Because if you're if you have your entire life never gotten into a- athletics as a young age never run more than the mile that you had to run in, in PE with yeah. all of your classmates, right? Like never done a sport at a high level or, or worked hard at a sport or skateboarding or anything. Like if you've never done any of those things, maybe you weren't even exposed to them, right? That's not yeah. your fault, you know? And if you've never experienced any of, th- of those things and you've only been trained to blame everything outside of you, you yeah. have no clue yeah. that doing something hard immediately shifts that perspective for you. Yeah. So it's such a hard thing too, because it's like Mm -hmm. we can preach and preach and preach and preach, but how do you get the masses to, to understand that give me two weeks of your time and I can completely reshape your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I don't know the answer to that. You know what I mean? Well, I think we, I think that people have to have, there has to be some sort of wake up call. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately, a lot of times it has to be some sort of health crisis they, ha- they have to reach a point uh, and, and I hate that it has to be this way, right? Yeah, for, mo- for most people, like mm-hmm. they have to reach a point where there's total crisis in order for them to have that wake up call. But I think that, you know, culturally we've just gotten so far outside of the way that we're always intended to be living, right? Like people, I've had people call me extreme because I don't eat. I, I don't rarely will I eat processed food. Well, mm-hmm. but, but what you're eating is fake food. Mm-hmm. I'm eating real food. I'm actually eating the way that we were designed to eat. I'm, mo- I'm, I'm treating my body the way that my body was designed to be treated. Yeah. But culture has been so convinced that it's normal to be obese. It's normal to eat crap. It's normal to drink every night. It's nor- All these things are normal. It's normal to be sick. It's normal to be medicated. I need an upper when I wake up in the morning. I need Adderall and then I need a- anti-anxiety medication and sleep medication because actually I can't sleep. I mean, I hear this stuff all the time. Yeah. Right. And I think that rarely 
I think sometimes it's just your environment becomes really important for this reason, because when, when every person that's in your inner circle is essentially in the same state that you are, it, it doesn't confront you. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think a, a lot of people have good intentions, but through the course of their life, they begin to subscribe to like, this is all my life will ever be. And this is normal because look around me. This is how everybody else is operating as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that at times all it takes is like an encounter with someone like me or someone like you for them to go, oh my gosh, you mean I can live life on, on this level? Like this is actually possible because sometimes they're just never exposed to it. And then other times the cost is too great for people. They just, they're lazy. You know, and so I, I remember like earlier in my career, I would try and save everybody. Right? I'd be like, you have to let me help you. Yeah. yeah <laughs> because you see somebody in public and you just want to just get totally, your hands on them. Totally. Like, because it really, it, it breaks my heart. I literally see it as somebody who has been taken captive and put into a prison cell. Same. Yeah. And so... I had to learn, like, there are certain people who you're, you're not going to be able to help. They have absolutely given up and it's out of their own free will. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. they, they want to make excuses. They want all, all of that. But then there are people that are like, I want to, I, like, I know there's more inside of me. I know there's a gr- greater plan and purpose for my life. I know that I'm harming myself. I just can't get myself out of this way of thinking or this way, these behavior patterns, these habits, you know, and I think that that's the, I I tell all of my clients, like one of the first things that I do with them is I'll ask them like, what kind of life do you want to live? Like in your ideal world, explain, like describe to me, you at your highest levels, what do you envision for yourself? Okay. Are you living that right now? Like do, because the question really becomes like, how do we want to spend our time here? Yeah. How do we reverse engineer what that is versus exactly just going goalless through life? Exactly. Like, do you want to spend your time being mediocre and never truly like one of the things that's always intrigued me, uh, like about me from a young age, I like, I remember being young, like seven or eight years old and going, I just want to like gun it in life and see what I can do. Like, I don't want to leave this earth going. I wish I would have gone harder in the paint, so to speak, just to see what I could have accomplished and who I could have become. And if that means I have to do this, so be it. But I don't want to live life at this level and leave this earth going, gosh, if only I had taken more chances on myself, if only I had been willing to live a life of more discipline. I could have, I coulda, woulda, shoulda, you know? And I think so many people have those regrets in their life and it, it crushes them. Like it's majority of the people that I talk to who are on gobs of prescription medication for anxiety, depression, and sleep, they're living with all of these ghosts. Right. And then they, those were never addressed. And so they have to suppress those emotions because those emotions are keeping them awake at night. But the reality is, is that's for a reason. 
You know, and I believe like God's trying to wake you up. You shouldn't feel good. Like when we live life down here and we're not pursuing the highest versions of ourselves. Yes, there are a number of things that are going to go wrong for you. Your health is going to is going to be compromised. Your mindset, you're going to feel depression. You're going to feel anxiety. Those are all red. Those are all warning signs. You're headed down the wrong track. And so it's actually a protection mechanism for us to get us to turn around Mm -hmm. and really look at what we're doing. And unfortunately we're living in a culture where culture says, Oh, don't be uncomfortable. Oh my gosh. You mean you have anxiety about the direction that your life is going? Oh no, let's medicate you for that. Right? Oh, you have an actual feeling about something? No, we can't have a feeling, not especially not a strong feeling. And every yeah, person that off. I talk, yeah, shut it off, shut it down. Mm-hmm. Right? Like all of those are inc- I mean, I've gone through so many periods of time within my life and within my career where I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I had anxiety. I felt depressed. But all of that was because I was in a season where I was getting crushed and having to fight my way out of that and being produced into something new, right? Something new is being birthed. And so that's part of that process, right? Like I've never spoken to one single person who's accomplished something great on this earth, who hasn't gone through multiple, po- at multiple points in that journey where they just felt, I'm not going to make it. Mm-hmm. I suck. <laughs> like this isn't working. I'm not equipped, but they find a way to continue forward, even when all motivation has left them. And yeah. then they become something even greater. Right. And that's, that's the whole point of life. Life is not like this. And it's not like this. It's like, this. <laughs> I think when people understand that and you begin to like cultivate a culture for your life of, okay, I'm going to remain steady. Whether I'm winning or losing, I'm going to stay locked in and stay the same as much as I can. Those are the people that are able to produce like wins and gold, like multiple times over the course of their life and enjoy themselves in the process. Yeah. You know, you don't can't enjoy yourself all the time, but my gosh, like if you are really locked into those moments where it feels like you're in battle and you're coming up against this massive resistance, it's so rewarding to because you get an opportunity to see what you're made of. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's the part that that I think is sad for people that never put themselves on the line in the way that we're talking about is you don't even know the greatness that's inside of you because no you have never run to the battle lines against this great opposition and gone, I'm going all in to see what I really have. What's what my potential is, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing because once you learn those parts of yourself, it becomes easier and easier to meet with obstacles and heartbreaks because you know, no, I've got this. (laughs) Oh, I've been, I've already been been through something 10 times worse than this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is all good. This is child's play actually. Yeah. Right. And that's that momentum that, that, that gets built. But if people are never willing to like take that first step, they just, they're, it's like they become a shell of a human being because so many parts of them never get to be expressed. hundred percent. It's terrible. No, it, it, it definitely is. So I actually have, I was telling you a little bit before this, um, I, I went to an event yesterday with a, a, a buddy of mine and, um, 
kind of the backstory on that is is exactly kind of what you're talking about. So he and I we met in in college, and I'm sure he wouldn't wouldn't mind me sharing this because of his his journey and his transformation. But the guy he he was a partier, right? He was always the life of the party in, in college and everything. And I remember in college, I would I was the really lame guy in our friend group that was always like, hey, let's what do you guys think about starting a book club, right? Yeah. Like, like the thing, doing the things like totally. that of like let's all go work out together. And then let's like study some personal development book that I'm, I'm yeah. reading right now. And let's talk about it because I'm like, totally. I never really enjoyed the the surface level, like conversations and things that the mm -hmm. people seem to have, especially at that age. Mm -hmm. And so anyways, I remember calling my dad one day after we'd done one of those book club discussions and, and my buddy Tucker, he had shown up to it. And I was like, Tucker just has so much potential. I wish you could just like see it and grab onto it mm -hmm. instead of doing like yeah. a lot of the stuff that he's, he's kind of doing right now. And so Flash forward two or three years, okay? The last year before I got married, he and I lived together. And he was really excited because he pictured it as like, this is going to be college again. Me and Baker yeah. are just going to party nonstop. Totally. We're going to do whatever we want. We're going to eat nonstop. And mm -hmm. like a few, probably like three months into living together, I <clears throat> he had kind of started to make comments about like, dude, like what you do is so cool. I've never seen somebody be excited to work and like come home and go work more. Right. Or, yeah. or like always working out, like you weigh out all of your, he's like, it's just, it's just different. And I was like, totally. okay, well, do you have, you know, do you have any questions about it or any, anyways, I brought him this idea of 75 hard a few months in a living together. And his, his initial reaction was genuine rage. Like he was <laughs> like, he was like, Baker, I swear to God, if you ruin yeah. our one year at living together before you leave and go get married, he was like, yeah. I will never forgive you. He was like, I'm not, I'm not kidding with you right now. If you make it to where you can't drink or you can't party with me or you can't do anything yeah. for 75 days of the like 300 that we have together, he was like, I'll never forgive you. And I'm like, okay, you don't yeah, have to do it with yeah. me. Like, I'm not gonna, yeah. anyways, like a few days later, he kind of hit like a low point and he texts me. He's like, Hey, I'm in on 75 hard. So wow. we do 75 hard. Okay. This dude completely transforms, right? He went from somebody like, he didn't even look like he, he looked like he would like stayed semi fit, but like. Dude got absolutely shredded. Yeah. I like could have competed in a bodybuilding show. I, you know, I'm taking content and stuff for him and we're doing like a photo shoot. I made sure in yeah. planets where we could do a photo shoot the night that he finished, um, which he would just was like, I can't believe I look like this. And he was, awesome. anyway, fast forward, the dude's done two, uh, I believe two half marathons of 15 K and, and a full marathon. And he's got like two or three more marathons and half marathons scheduled That's for insane. this year. He's doing 75 hard again this year. And wow, he he's so interested in personal development and stuff now that he, um, you know, for Christmas I bought him uh tickets, him and I tickets to this entrepreneur event that we were at all day yesterday. Great, while on seventy five hard and also yeah. And so he he has done a full one eighty in life, yep. and and he is now looking at like he's he's brought yeah. like four or five other friends into seventy five hard with us this year, and it was literally so just awesome. because he was exposed to yeah. a different way of living. Yeah. He saw somebody that was passionate about the things that they're doing. He saw somebody that cared mm -hmm. about health and fitness, that weighed their foods out, that tracked their foods, that would take the time to sit there with them and be like, hey, this is the app that you need, right? This is how we track it. This is what it looks like. Like he, and now he's doing that for four or five other people. He's helping yeah. them, like people he's living with now, he's exposing all of them to it. So it's like a yeah. ripple effect, but that's what has been, that's been one of the most rewarding things in my life is seeing him totally. completely do this and, and change around just because he just saw 
Some I didn't ever force it on him. I didn't ever like push him into anything. I just asked him one day and left it up to him, right? And his initial knee jerk reaction was negative, but he immediately turned around once he had another low point and realized like maybe Baker's onto something. And if yeah. I think that it's cool how he's living, maybe I should try something that would help me to live Absolutely. more like him. Yes. Um, so anyway, it's kind of a funny backstory based on what you're talking about, but I, w- I want to talk some more about your, your story. Okay. So you go from, you're at USC, you know, you, you gain a bunch of weight, you get depressed and everything. You decide that you're going to make this change to go back. How in the hell do you end up as the global leader in Adidas (laughs) boxing? Yeah. Good question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I, um, so I found a photo of myself from the first day that I start, I got to USC and was picture of me and my brother playing basketball in the gym. And I literally out loud. So I took the picture and I went and got in the mirror and took Mm -hmm. my shirt off and I sports bra on and I'll never forget. I, I out loud said, what have you done to yourself? You know? And then just like sobbed. Right. Because that day that I got to USC, I was like the beginning of all of my dreams coming true. Right. And my body was a reflection of that. And then, you know, the place that I was at, I was just sad. Like I was like totally lost, totally lost, totally directionless. And so I'm not saying that from that point, I would love to say, and from that point forward, I never ate garbage food and I turned it all around. That's not what happened. But the switch was flipped where I was like, I've got to do something. Like I've got to figure out like, this is over. Like sports is now over what are you going to do with yourself? Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to just, at the time it was awful too, Baker, because I had tried to get a job like in multiple places, nobody would hire me. And so I was like the only place. So I went and I filled out an application at Starbucks. And so when I had this moment, I was serving Frappuccinos to bratty 12 year olds in the dead of summer who were coming rolling up to this Starbucks and their Mercedes Benzes and all this. And yeah. I would just sit there and I was like, this is literally my worst nightmare. What has happened to my life? What am I going to do as I'm like putting you know, the, the, the whipped cream on the yeah. Frappuccinos? This isn't the right order. So it was, I had been put into a pressure cooker and I had to figure out what, what are you going to do now? And so when I did that, I decided that I had had all throughout my sports career, I'd had incredible chiropractors and sports medicine people that saved my body from like multiple catastrophes. And so I thought if I could go into chiropractic, I would be very happy, Mm -hmm. right? I would love to show up every day and help people. If I got to do that for a living, I would be very satisfied. So I moved to LA, enrolled myself in chiropractic school, got a job at a restaurant bar. The restaurant bar ended up almost destroying me because I had to be at work until two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning around drunk people. So I thought I can't do this. This is not conducive with school. I'm going to try and go and get a job at a gym. So I did, I got a job at 24 hour fitness in Hollywood. And that gym at that time, tons of celebrities worked out there because of all of their different amenities. And so my first day, like the, within the first five, first of all, no gyms would hire me. I thought I was going to be able to get hired by any gym in LA. Like, I'm a USC, you know, college athlete. Of course you would, you would love to have me yeah. <laughs> work at your gym. It was crickets. I had to go into 24 hour fitness and 
beg the fitness manager after four weeks of blowing him up to please, I'm begging you to hire me. Like I need this job. I promise I won't let you down. Five minutes into my first shift there, Oliver Hudson, Kate Hudson's brother comes walking up to this body fat caliper testing table that I was, you know, I had set up. He said, I saw you, you play basketball, right? I said, yeah. So we started talking. Well, he needed to lose weight. He had gained, he had gained a bunch of weight. Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, I can help you out. So he became my first client. Okay. And from there, the, the, the how is, well, I trained with the USC football teams during the summers. Like I was invited by Pete Carroll while I was at USC to come and train wow. with the football team. Yeah, because he would see me. This is a funny story. I've got to tell you this because okay. I think you'll enjoy this. Pete Carroll comes. The school is ablaze, right? The savior of college football has arrived. So I'm just casually in the weight room one day, as I always was, and working out. And this man approaches me and says, you're always in here working out by yourself what sport do you play? And I said, I play basketball. And he said, wow, you're a really hard worker. So this was during the summer. And he said, would you be interested in coming and training with the football team going through all of our strength, agility, and conditioning this summer? And I said, oh my gosh, absolutely. Because I could never get any of the girls on my team to want to train hard during the summers. Yeah. They were such naturally gifted athletes. I said, I, I would love that. So I show up the first day and I open, you know, on the practice field for USC football, the gate swings open. I come walking in and I assume that the guy is one of the strength and conditioning coaches. And I mean, you could have heard, it was like, <laughs> you yeah. could have heard a, a pen drop. Mm -hmm. The strength and conditioning coaches come over. They're like, what are you doing here? And I said, one of your guys invited me here. <laughs> he told me I could come here and train with the football team during the summers. And they said, what guy? And all of a sudden from the other end of the field, the man that invited me waves, Ashley, come on, come and line up. And they look and they go, Pete Carroll invited you. Oh, and I said, my gosh. and I said, that's Pete Carroll. And they said, yeah. And I said, well, he's awesome. Yeah. He invited me. So the whole summer I was training with the, you know, with the men's football team going through all of, and going through all the strength and conditioning. And it was <laughs> absolutely awesome. After I got over some of the initial harassment, you know, yeah, and they realized, yeah. you know, I could outperform them with some of them with certain things. It's Isn't it funny that the ones with the biggest mouths who are going to talk the most smack to you are usually the ones that <laughs> they're the ones that were worried about. Yeah, they're trying yeah. to get out ahead of it for sure. A hundred percent. So my background, I share that because my background in training was not like a normal trainer that takes a class and then shows up to a gym and puts people through their little micro cycles where they're resting between sets. I came in with this massive background in sports training and applied that to these sessions. And so with that, at that time in fitness, this was 2002, 2003, everything was do a set rest, do a yep. set rest. And I was coming in, obviously circuit training is not, that's not something that I invented, but the workouts that I was putting people through, I mean, my clients were like sweating. Some of them needed to like puke, yeah. you know, the first week, but the results were crazy. And so because of that, obviously when you're in, even when you're in a big city, if you're really, really good at what you do and you're in a transformation space, people talk. And so my clients were talking. And so from there I started training Rashida Jones and a bunch of big models and a bunch of Oliver's friends. And then because of all of them, uh, Kate Hudson ended up becoming a client of mine. Um, and 
but that my point in saying all this is had I not had the right system and had I not been able to deliver results without low carb dieting, without double days, when those doors opened, they would have shut immediately. Yeah. Right. Because I, I wouldn't have had the level of expertise that I, that was necessary to be able to service those people and give them what they needed and create a massive difference in the way that their nutrition programming and their training was being run. Cause like I said, at that time, that was the thing that really, um, confused me. I'd be like, what do you mean your current trainer isn't doing your nutrition? Right. They, they were having to go to six different people to do one, to get one thing that a good fitness expert should be able to provide. Yeah. And so that gave me my idea for my first company and setting everything up to where clients could come in and I could quarterback everything, but I had everything that they needed. If they needed a private chef, I had it. If they needed meal delivery, I had it. I had the massage therapist that um, when I brought her on, she was working a lot with Manny Pacquiao and David Beckham, the LA Ga- Galaxy, the LA Lakers. Wow. So I, I put this superstar team of the best of the best people because I would get on the phone with the current person that they had. Nobody wanted to talk to me, right? Because when you're working with celebrities, everybody wants to be the person and they don't realize this isn't about you. This is actually is not about you. It's about the client yeah. and the client needs a result. So everybody needs to check their egos at the door so we can create something awesome for them. And so creating that first company and then at that time, social media was not, it hadn't happened yet. I'm totally dating myself. So it was all magazines. And at that time, there were only about five to 10 major trainers that were training celebrities that were being published in magazines. And I was one of them. Right. And so that's really what opened the door. Like these doors of opportunity opened. I stepped in. And then I also saw there's a need here. Yeah. These people need to be taken care of. If they're dining in a restaurant, we should be giving them off of the menu what they should be eating in that restaurant. We should be able to take care of them at every second of the day. If it's under the purview of their body, we should be servicing that. And so setting that company up with the, all the press that was attached to it, positioned me to grab attention from people like Adidas, right? Wow. So that, ad, yeah, that Adidas door opened because I had gotten into MMA and I had gotten into boxing and somebody saw it on my social media that was attached to Adidas. They saw my client roster and they thought this would be good for our marketing. <laughs> like this, yeah. this would be, this would be a good fit. Right. That's so, so crazy. Yeah. Well, And I know you probably feel the exact same way. I think that sometimes what happens now is people want to skip all of those steps. And I think when you're to, for me, I just always wanted to be the absolute best at what I did. Right. I wasn't going, Oh, if I could just work with somebody like Kate Hudson or Bradley Cooper or P Diddy, then I could, I was like, how can I become the absolute best at transforming people without making them do crazy stuff without carb depleting them, water depleting them, making them eat tilapia and asparagus. How can I create this? And by mastering that one thing, right, that's what positioned me for opportunities. Yeah. It's simple. Whenever you look at it that way too, is just, just hone your craft as, as much as you possibly like humanly can, and then let the craft talk for itself. Exactly. And, and, And I know your business has been through several evolutions and everything, 
and with Adidas, right? With, with that boxing, talk about a little bit of like the responsibilities and, and what that looked like working with such a huge conglomerate yeah. like, like them. Like what, what was your arrangement or your, your, I guess, set of tangibles that you had to do yeah. for, for, with Adidas? Yeah. So Adidas has Adidas gyms all over the world. They just don't have them in the U S. And so in those gyms, they have trainers and they have group classes. And so under my contract with them, I had to come in and create essentially certification. So somebody would come in and they would get certified with Ashley Conrad Global Adidas Boxing as a trainer with that certification. And then, yeah, which was a big deal, right? I mean, I grew up wearing Adidas. I was like, this is sick, right? So we would show up to various places. So Paris, Mexico City, wherever they had wherever they are having these events, day one would be a media day. And then days two and three would be training the trainers. Okay. And then the trainers would have to sit in this class with you and with a translator because most of them didn't speak English. And then at the end of it, I would have to pass fail them. The ones who passed could then, could then teach and use Ashley Conrad boxing inside the gym. The ones that failed could not. Wow. And so then the last day was a big, a, a, a big fitness event. And there would be, I mean, thousands and thousands of people at these events. And so it was another media and product event. Uh, so yeah, no, super cool. And then I would also advise on various products that they were rolling out. Um, and then sometimes photo shoots, like I had to fly sometimes overseas for a day. Like I had to, one time <laughs> I got the worst jet lag coming back. I had to fly into, into London. Mm-hmm. I got there at five o'clock, had to shoot the entire next day. And then was on a plane that night ki- coming back to the, to the U S for, for shoots for, for product. So yeah, cause they would promote, they would use my image to promote various products that they are rolling out to. And then because they're Adidas, right. When they were having these events, I mean, your, your picture would be everywhere all over. Yeah. The yeah. So yeah, no, I was valuable to them also because, um, of my client roster, right. When we're in the United States, sometimes celebrities, we're, we're just kind of used to them. But if you take somebody that works with celebrities and you put them outside of the U S you are a celebrity. Wow. Okay. Right. So you're, so you're, you're, you're much more, I always would say I'm way more powerful. My power is stronger outside of the U S because there's such a stronger draw to American celebrities outside of America. Okay. Because of what it represents. So. Wow. That, yeah, yeah, that's, that's wild. So the arrangement then was that Adidas would, would basically, I'm sure you probably got like a cut of it, but you Adidas would basically set up these certifications and then you, you would basically be like educating and then selling Adidas certifications to all of these coaches, getting a bunch of media for them and then running events where I'm sure they made a bunch more money on merch and, yep. and classes and stuff like that. And so that's, that's wild. So they were literally making events around you and your name and your face and your likeness. Yeah. Wow. When they had, they had, they had three, three other trainers as well. Okay. So, and they were all in different sectors. So there was somebody for dance there was somebody specific for strength training. And then there was one, I believe there was one other, but I cannot for the life of me remember specifically okay. what, what it was. Um, but yeah, there, the event, 
think there was one event that was just specific to boxing, right? So they would just kind of deploy us and then you get paid to do the event. You get paid for all the programming. You get paid to be in materials for them. You get paid to shoot content for them. So, you know, it was, it was a great, I mean, I was super, super happy working with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, most people working with brands of that size is something that that very few, like very, very few people ever get to do. Um, and and you mentioned another absolutely absurd thing, like some of these names that you drop, Mm -hmm. you know, touring with P Diddy, Bradley (laughs) Cooper, Kate Hudson, Kristen Bell, Ashley Benson, Penelope Cruz, like the the list goes on and on. You've worked with some of the biggest names in in entertainment. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. What has that? What does that even look like? What what, what yeah. talk, talk about that? Yeah. What does that look like? Oh well, it's a mixed bag. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I mean, being in LA and having the system that I had, which I called clutch, right? That's what I named it because I would get these calls from talent managers and movie studios where I was responsible for that. They they would have a client and you needed to create six months, 12 months worth of results in a matter of a few weeks. Yeah. Also without drugs. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a big differentiator, right? If you're not going to put a client on a PED, but you've got to turn them into an action star in eight weeks, that requires a specific set a specific skill set. Yeah. And so as my notoriety and my reputation grew in Hollywood, I would that, those were the calls that I was getting. So I was beginning to interface directly with the studios. Um, you know, we're uh, my experience with almost everyone that I've worked with ha- was always really really good. As a matter of fact, I would say that the bigger the celebrity was, the more humble, the easier they were to work with. Really? Okay. Yeah. A hundred percent. The worst people to work with are the ones who hadn't really made it fully. They mm-hmm. maybe have a little bit of notoriety. They're always the, the biggest pains. All right. So, you know, my, it was, it's definitely hectic when you're dealing with like five, six, seven, eight different big stars at a time. Um, yeah, no, great, great, I had a great experience. The only thing that was, uh, difficult, right, is travel. So I would spend months living out of a suitcase because I would get home from one project and then somebody would call and say, hey, can you come to Boston for three months and train me for this movie? So I would get back on the plane and go out. So my life was just, but it was exciting, right? When you're in your, when you're in your twenties and you're just rolling around, like, you know, just absolutely awesome. And, um, I'm so grateful for it because, all of those oper- uh, working with celebrities is what opened doors for me to do even what I do now. Mm-hmm. Right. Because uh, at the end of the day, trainers are a commodity. It's a commodity. So in order to be different, you have to have, you have to have something different. Your experience needs to be different. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, but it, it it was it, it was crazy. I mean, I've I've seen crazy things. <laughs> I bet, I bet. It, without naming any wild, yeah. Yeah. without naming any names, because I I don't want to get in trouble with any celebrities. Um, what is like? Give us an example of like a crazy situation. You can leave all the details out of it, but just like give okay. us an example of something wild. Okay, so one of my clients, there was a kidnapping threat. Okay. Okay, and we were, um. 
we were on the East coast for three months and there was this guy that would, would camp out in the lobby of the Ritz Carlton. And he was telling the staff that he was engaged to my client and he was, and he believed it. And so the thing, the thing that got really scary was he, you couldn't do anything. You couldn't file a restraining order because he hadn't done anything wrong yet. Like he would just stalk but he was in public spaces. So a restraining order couldn't be filed. Yeah. But we knew this guy's crazy and something is wrong with him. And he knows where we like where she is and where she's working. And, and so long story short, it, you know, it was scary, mm -hmm. super scary. Cause you're dealing with a crazy person. You're dealing with a yeah. crazy person that literally believes that they're in a relationship with your client. And you don't know if they're going to pop out of the bushes. You, I mean, you just, you have no clue. Yeah. The wild and, card. It's a total wild card. And at that time, you know, working with the people that I work with, kidnapping threats and like murder suicide threats are a real thing because a lot mm -hmm. of times people get fixated on these high profile people and they, they're mentally ill. And so, you know, they'll come over their walls in their home. They'd had their homes broken into. So this guy, it was, it was sketchy yeah. because we weren't in Los Angeles where you can just lock everything down and control the environment. So long story short, <laughs> they finally, he finally, I can't remember specifically what he did, but he did something and they were able to file a restraining order. And then he violated the restraining order. And so they pulled him over. Okay. And in his trunk was a machete, zip ties. Um, what's that tape? Like the tape. tape. Basically, it was a kidnapping a kidnapping kit, kidnapping wow. murder kit. That was what he had in his trunk. Plus all these photos of her, like all over the car, stalking photos. So that was a that was a super. It was a super scary one. Yeah. While this one that I personally went through wasn't the client, it was something that I got targeted for. Okay. So I had a client who had gone through this very high profile breakup and the paparazzi were all over this breakup. Mm -hmm. And we were out of town. We were staying in a hotel. Um, they were shooting a movie. And so this girl, like, I kept running into this girl. Like I would be coming into the elevator. She would already be in the elevator. Mm -hmm. I would be getting out of the elevator to go to the gym. She would be, you know, getting into the elevator. We kept having these weird run-ins. And so okay. she finally one day was like, it's so weird that we keep running into each other like this, right? Strike up a conversation. She's like, I'd love to like meet for a drink or something. Like let's, you know, blah, 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 blah. So she was trying to build rapport with me. Well, then we find out. She works for one of the magazines and I was the one that was being targeted. The magazine was paying off security in the hotel for her to target me, to try and get information out of me, to potentially be able to get into my hotel room and plant a listening device so that they could scoop the story. Oh my gosh. About yeah. this breakup. Yeah. About the breakup. Yeah. Which it seems so silly right? To say, I'm like, who cares? Yeah. However, I mean, coming away from that, I had to totally rethink. Yeah. I mean, you, can't, you, even, you can't trust anything. Super paranoid, right. It makes you super paranoid. Like, is there, is it safe to talk inside of my hotel room on the phone? 
Mm-hmm. Is it safe to talk? Where is it safe to talk to a client? Because all of that information is privileged and it's just such a, it's such a violation of your privacy. Right. And so for a period of time, it made me very paranoid with not just not within my job, not within the people that I was working with, but going, I don't know if I can even like, can I talk? <laughs> is this a secure line? I'm not yeah. sure. And I have a private conversation in my hotel room. I don't know because if security is literally telling her she's just left, they were alerting her that I had left my room so that when I got off of the elevator, she would be there. So just, they were staging all of these run-ins. That is right? so, so insane. Yeah, it's pr- pretty, pr- pretty insane. And then of course, you know, I've had clients who, because they struggle with addiction and they previously and have struggled with various things, you know, hitting low points and getting calls for, for things like that and being involved in, like I said, certain, certain scandals mm-hmm. that you're trying to help the client Navigate. because, you know, the sad, the sad, sadly, I mean, and they celebrities sign themselves up for it, but you're not allowed to be a normal person. And so when you go through things that we, we are able to just go through privately, it's all out there. You know, I almost got into a wreck a couple of different times leaving a client's house, they thought that I had the, the client in the car or they thought that I was the client. And so I got chased all the way from Malibu out to my house in um, West Hollywood. And it was scary, like scary. And it, it, I remember that the first time that that happened going, I don't think this is worth it. Yeah. Like, I don't know why anybody would want to live like this. You feel like prey, right? You can't even leave your home and just drive somewhere without 10 cars swarming you. And it's, it's scary when they do that. Like they're, they're coming alongside of you into oncoming traffic. There's no, um, there's no rules or regulations. They're just doing whatever they want all over the road to, to get a photo. And I'm like, okay, well this makes sense to me why these people become potentially addicted to drugs. Yeah. They, they turn to these things because just to leave your house is, I mean, it's so stressful, <laughs> right? So, I mean, th- those are just small things, but eye-opening things where you go, my gosh, like, I don't know why anybody would literally want to live like this. Yeah, yeah. All it's, the time. And it, it, that, the people that you're talking about too is, is that's like, you know, celebrity celebrities, right? Like that's... <clears throat> We think of now in the age of social media, a lot of like the people that we we follow that have like maybe a hundred thousand followers or a couple hundred thousand followers. Like, for instance, my sister and her boyfriend, they've got you know my sister just hit two hundred k on Instagram and and she's got another two or two fifty on TikTok and um, he's got a few hundred grand on on TikTok and then a hundred thousand on Instagram and yeah. like they, it is so weird because I just know them as people, right? Mm-hmm. But like we were out at dinner the other night and people are coming up to them and stopping them while they're eating and like, hey, can I get a picture? Like, is there any yeah. way that we, can I, are you so-and-so from Instagram? Oh my God, I'm your biggest fan. And I'm just sitting there yeah. like, she's, she's so lame. You guys yeah, are yeah, totally. like, why the hell are you guys excited totally. to see her? Dude, totally, so, absolutely. Yeah. But it's so, but, but it's yeah. like seeing that and then like having to think and put myself in their shoes is like. You know, I've been working on trying to get famous for a long time and it's not working out for me, but like <laughs> thinking about like, I would have to really watch like everything that I do in the gym, everything that I say in the gym, everything that I put out on social media, everything that like, that would be a different life to just be in their totally. shoes, you know, totally. and they don't have 
millions and millions of eyes yeah. on them like like TV stars do, you know, yeah. or like these entertainers do. Yeah. And so, you know, it's easy for somebody that doesn't have any to say like, I don't know if I'd be going to be that famous. I'm shooting for like a more mid-tier famous, yeah. you know. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's, it is a wild concept to think about all the things that those people have to go, go through. And a lot of times too, with that level of fame, people don't even consider you human anymore. That's the weird part to me because yeah, Addy, like Mm -hmm. we've had posts and I think I was telling you about this last week, maybe we have, so there's like a a recent post, right? Of us where it's got a couple hundred thousand views or something. The way people are taught, have been talking about us and commenting on at us and stuff like that on that post for the last three weeks yeah, as it's continued to kind of like pick up steam. Yeah. It's like they don't even remember that they're that these are two real humans that can no. actually see what they're saying, that can actually understand yeah. it and comprehend it, and that might have feelings, right? Yeah, completely. Like it, they say the most terrible, yeah, things. Yeah, and it's just it, it it truly is like they have just forgotten that that's a human being because yeah. they perceive it as some like as 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 a profile. Now, yes. you know, or I don't even know what that disconnect is, but it, it's really, really crazy. Well, it's a reflection of them. Yeah. Right? Because if I, if, if you or I see something that we think and we don't like, or it's like, oh, that shirt is ugly or mm-hmm. that person is ugly, like whatever it may be, yeah. there would be nothing in you or I that goes, so let me go and tell people about it. Like, let me go yeah. and make a comment about it. So you have to keep in mind that the people that do this, they're bottom feeders, mm-hmm. right? Because a normal sane person does not go and spread hate about another person just <laughs> to put them down. All it is, is, and you know, it's interesting because I've, I've, I've met clients and worked with clients right before their star really took off. Mm-hmm. And this was something that I, you know, I, I got to see firsthand where I've walked into situations and the person is huge, right? And they're, according to the world, one of the sexiest people alive. Mm-hmm. And I'll walk into a room and they're on their computer. And like, literally, I've had this happen to me on multiple occasions. They look at me and they say, Ashley, sit down. I want to ask you something. And I trust you because you've always told me the truth. And I want you to answer me honestly. Am I ugly? Am I ugly? because of what people are saying online. And and to your point, I think it's, we view like the only way we can rationalize things is through the lens of our own experience or what we would do or not do. So we go, what would it take for me to literally go on a post and call somebody ugly? Like I would have to think that they are absolutely repulsive. And then we internalize that when the reality is no, these people are living in their parents' basements. They're yep. mentally ill. They're freaking jealous. Like it's jealousy just seething yep. out of them. And it's so dark and evil. Like the person literally has nothing but darkness living on the inside of them because people who, who don't operate that way, it's exciting to see other people win. Like I get excited when I see people winning. Yep. I I have never once looked at somebody's success unless I knew that they were a horrendous yes. human being yeah. because I had a personal encounter with them and go, ooh, <laughs> right? But a normal person goes, oh, how cool. Like if I saw you and your sister, 
I would be like, that is, I remember the first time you told me that you and your sister worked together. Me and my Mm -hmm. brother worked together in the early days of clutch. Like I thought that was so cool. It's like, this is awesome. A brother and sister team. So the people that make these comments, they're just trolls. Mm -hmm. They're unhappy. Like I just, (laughs) the type of person that it is, is like a rotten person. And and people never, never insults, never go down the chain, right? It's always up. Yeah. And that's one thing that I always have to remember because you'll, you'll catch some, you know, you might've just gotten off a stressful call. You might've yeah. get like had something that just happened and catches you in right attitude. And you're like, I'm about to light this mother. Yeah, you totally. just like, you get in that mode sometimes where it's like, I'm about to comment. I'm about to tear this dude to shreds. Totally. You're putting, all you have in your profile is a bunch of Xbox pictures. Are you, sh- totally. like, you, you think you, you know what I mean? Like 100%. it's hard not to go on there and just go off sometimes. But it's also yeah. a lot of times what I'll do is I'll say, I'll I'll kind of like just address that, like, hey, I, you know, I see this comment. Thanks for the interaction. Have a great day. And then, yeah. then more often than not, people will be like, oh shit, like, sorry, bro. I didn't mean any disrespect. Like, you know, yeah, and it's like, yeah you did. But I, I just want to let you know that this is, I'm a person. I just yeah. read this and it's not like you're just, this yeah. is, it wasn't funny. There was nothing kind of like valuable here. But yeah. Anyways, there's That's the crazy. whole internet. I mean, <clears throat> There's a great, like, there's a big something coming at some point, especially with AI and everything, where I don't know what the next iteration of this whole <clears throat> internet landscape even looks like. But at some point, the really scary thing to me is that people are going to be walking around with their glasses on that are all, you know, Vision Pro glasses. Totally. And everyone's follower count is hovering above their head as you're walking by. Yeah. And you see somebody that's really attractive or somebody that's got a really big follower account. And then that's what's like, that's how it is in real life too. And we get to that point, that's going to be a super scary thing that we have to deal with. Not that we're even close to it yet, but yeah, very wild to think about. Yeah, it is. Um, It is. Anyways, the the next, yeah, it is fascinating and and terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, After you kind of have built up this, this, business or while you're building it up, actually, I know you have a big stage of your kind of life and career that, that is kind of revolved around your, your supplement company, clutch body shop and bodybuilding.com. Talk mm-hmm. about that phase of, of life in a business. Yeah. So I, I was hired to, um, work with Bradley Cooper to transform him for, um, a movie and okay. we had a really short window of time. And so when the press came out with that transformation, I got an email from bodybuilding.com and candidly, I had no idea who they were. Mm-hmm. And so the email essentially read, Hey, we want you to give us your ab workout that you did with Bradley. We'll film it and we're going to put it up on our site. <laughs> my, my response was like, the hell you are <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no thanks. And what am I getting out of this? Like, exactly. I don't think so guys. And then, uh, somebody I had involved in my business because it was just so presumptuous, right? Like tell you what, you're going to give us your trade secrets for free. And then we're going to go blast them out to everyone. I was like, not interested. Yeah. And then somebody who worked for me at the time said, Ashley, you do realize that bodybuilding.com is the largest retailer of dietary supplements, sports nutrition products in the world. Mm -hmm. I went, Oh, and they had at the time they had like 30 million unique visitors a month. So this yeah, wasn't yeah. just like some little little website. No, almost know? everybody, almost everybody started out reading bodybuilding.com forums. Totally. And I I had never even heard of them. 
right? Yeah. Because I was on the opposite side of fitness. So they came to LA, shot some content with me, that, that content that they wanted. And lo and behold, it just, it took off on the site and they had never seen conversion like that, especially on like female content, the conversion that it had for new customer acquisition for them, plus their male audience also connected with it. Um, so they were, so they said, Hey, listen, we, we've never seen content. We've never seen content behave like this on our site. Mm -hmm. So I became valuable to them. Mm -hmm. Right. Bottom line. They were like, this is, this is something unique. We want to work with you. Well, I was already in development for my supplement line at that time. I had already engaged a manufacturer. I was getting everything ready. So they, I, I initially ended up just signing a vendor agreement with them. They came back to LA to shoot some content with me. They put the content up alongside the product launch on their site. And it ended up within two weeks becoming a top 30 brand. Okay. So we came out of essentially like totally out of left field in a way that they had never seen. I spent $0 on ads, $0 on marketing. So all of a sudden I'm getting calls from, you know, the CEO of BPI and yeah. all these titans of the industry, right? And they were calling bodybuilding.com going, who is Ashley Conrad? Like, what is Clutch? GNC was calling, Whole Foods, Vitamin Shop. Everybody wanted to bring the line in because if it did performed well on bodybuilding.com, they knew it would perform well inside their stores as well. Um, so from there, I signed an exclusive agreement with them. I was one of their big content contributors. I was also asked to be on their advisory board. So I would advise on all new product developments, UI, UX, transformations. How do we, you know, bring new customers to the site? Everything you could imagine. Wow. And yeah, no, it was a great, it was a great, great partnership. Um, and then they ended up going through a bit of a transition with their C-level team and their business model. And at that time I decided to transition out, but under that contract with them, it was incredible because we, I reached, you know, tens of millions of people yeah. with content and content that really helped them. Like content that people would, I'm mean, the DMS and the emails I would get, this changed my life. You know, I lost 20 pounds in three weeks. I didn't have to cut carbs out and all this. Yeah. So that really set the stage for me to then go, I really want to now focus on that side of the business in a more meaningful way because of that partnership and that relationship, you can probably imagine. I had a lot of people who would reach out to me after they would do my programs that were on there and go, well, what do I need to do now? Yeah. I didn't really have an answer for them. Right. Because I'm like, I'm not working with you in person. I don't, I don't know. And there's only so much you can do giving people advice in direct message. For sure. So. For sure. And so then you developed out kind of what your business is evolving into, to, into today yeah. which is a transition into being able to work with more work in a more accessible manner with more people yeah. right at a, at a higher scale. Yes. And so talk about how that transition, how, how you're feeling about working with not necessarily, you know, it's gotta be a lot different going from, okay, all these companies and stuff are flying me out and producing all my content and they're paying, I'm getting paid for all of these different yeah. things to now, now you're trying to market and connect with, you know, me, you're trying to market and connect mm -hmm. with the the consumer online that's been watching your Instagram or your YouTube and and just being consuming that stuff for a while. And so, how has how has that transition gone? Like, how are you approaching that? Yeah. So, number one, it's gone it's gone well. 
mm-hmm. right? And the biggest the biggest question for me was, can I replicate online what I'm what I've done with people in person? That was candidly my biggest concern. Yeah. Because if I can't be effective, then there's no point in me doing this. Yeah. So it took me some time to figure out, okay, what does that look like? What platforms do I need to be using? What tools do I need to get in people's hands? Once I had that in place, the transformations that I've been able to accomplish online with clients have been just, I mean, a hundred percent on par with what I've been able to do with celebrities in person. So that part I'm like, okay, check. Right. For me, I, like my goal was never to work with high profile people, although it's nice to do that because of the way, you know, the, the, the pay, the pay, the pay that's attached to it. Absolutely. My, my goal at a certain point, I remember I was actually on tour with a client and I just felt, I just at that time felt stuck, which was really interesting because who I was traveling with was the pinnacle of success Mm -hmm. because they were notoriously a pain in the rear end. They had done a search all over America through their marketing agency. They had interviewed over like 150 trainers. And I was the one that got chosen to, to work with this individual who is notoriously a difficult person to work for and work with. We had a beautiful relation. I mean, beautiful working relationship. So to me, I, and I had grown up listening to his music, right? playing basketball, listening to his music. So I was like, this is the craziest full circle moment for me. But yet I felt unsatisfied, right? Because I remember sitting in that car going, okay, so am I just, is this just going to be my life? And it wouldn't have been a bad life, but what about all the people that aren't celebrities that need help and need someone to tell them the truth? Right. And that's always been my heart. Like I've always wanted to help as many people as humanly possible in my time here in my life. Right. So I don't care. I personally could care less about what somebody does for a living or what their status is. If I feel like it's a good fit and like I can help you, I'm, I want to. Right. So the transition for me has just been super rewarding because at a certain point, um, and this isn't to take away from anything I, I did within that area oh, of my career sure, sure. that I continue to do, but getting somebody ready for a red carpet doesn't excite me, mm-hmm. right? Like not that I, I care about you, my client, but I don't care about that. Like I want to, like, what about people who are stuck in the throes of food addiction have, you know, have been diagnosed with all these things or on gobs of medication. And I know that if we reverse your diet, and we get you involved in training and we create this lifestyle for you, all of that goes away and your life is forever changed, right? So whether it's a celebrity or some, you know, a mother of two who works full time and is living in middle America, I I don't care, but I I don't care who they are. I just like getting involved in situations where there's a lot of moving parts that aren't looking good. And then coming in because I'm very good at figuring out the solution for that problem. It's easy for me to help people lose weight. The question is, what do you do when all those cards are like stacked against even that result? I have a thyroid problem. I have a hormonal issue. My adrenal glands are shot. (laughs) You know, the doctors got me on all these meds. I've gotten, I've successfully in the last 12 months have gotten 20 people off of their depression medication. Wow. That's incredible. Right. So that means more to me than anything else. Mm -hmm. 
right? And like I said, no, regardless of who you are, because all that is just bondage, like getting those chains off of people and then giving them the tools, putting the tools in their hand to where they can live a life of freedom inside their body, period. That's the most important thing because it doesn't matter who you are. Every person has the same struggle. Every single, every single person exercise is the great equalizer, right? You can be the richest person in the world, but somebody else can't work out for you. You still have to work out. Yeah. You still have to do the work. You still have to discipline yourself with what you put in your mouth. Right. And that's what I love about it. So yeah, no, it's been super rewarding for me. And especially once I realized, okay, now I have the programming in place to make a massive impact even though I'm not in the gym with people, but I'm working with them online, that got, I mean, that's just motivated me even further to grow that side of the business because- Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, totally. Very exciting. A quote that comes to mind, um, and I'd love to get your kind of thoughts on it because with all these different iterations of, of your life, different seasons, different identities, different, different businesses, you know, um, one thing that I'm kind of noticing is a little bit of a, um, alignment with this. So the quote goes, the better you get, the better that you realize you can become the more <laughs> you work, the more painfully be, the more painfully you become aware of your deficiencies. What does that mean to you? Well, it just means that the, the more you evolve, I mean, even in my, even in my own journey, the more successful I've become, I the, literally, the more inadequate, the more weaknesses I've uncovered about myself. And then you get to come in and you, you have the opportunity to fix those things. You don't really know where you're most vulnerable. You know that, you know, that saying new levels, new devils. Yeah. Same thing, mm-hmm. right? The higher you go, the more resistance you're going to face, the more resistance you face, the more important it is to fight through the more you fight through, the more you figure out, okay, I don't have what it takes in these specific areas, but now I have the opportunity to actually become that. And then your reward for overcoming that and going to a new level is rinse and repeat that entire process. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's the beautiful thing about life is if I'm ever in a seat and I, and I share this with, with clients as well, because sometimes we tend to get frustrated as human beings. Like, I feel like I always have to, there's something I always am fixing about myself. Well, yes. If I'm ever in a particular season and there isn't something that I know, this is a problem. This is something I need to fix. This is an area I need to evolve in. I'm not good at this. Yeah, even in business. Okay, I've now uncovered, I suck at this. Yeah. <laughs> so I either need to bring somebody in or I need to become that. If I'm ever just like this, I know I'm not pushing hard enough because if you're pushing and you're in a constant state of transformation, you're going to be constantly learning new things about yourself. Yeah. And there's the saying, there's the saying that goes, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. And some people are like, that's a little bit dramatic. That's a little bit too intense, but it's it's not, it really is true because if you notice that the second that somebody truly retires and starts to relax in life, like later in life, they immediately age 10 years within That's the right. first year or two years. Yes. They start to yeah. lose cognitive function. They start to lose activity levels, right? And being yeah. able to walk and being as, as mobile. And, and it's because they don't have anything that they're trying to do that's, right. that's, that's challenging them. Their brain and their body is saying like, oh, I guess we just get to kind of chill and slowly shut down now. Yes. 
Yes. And that's what happens. If you don't work on something, if you don't even have a hobby, it can yeah. be literally learning piano. You know what I mean? Like it could be something that you can just occupy yourself with and just get better at that, that uses or rewires some new portion of your brain that can keep you going. But the yes. second that you stop trying to grow, you literally start trying to die. Yes. If you study blue zones, which are the areas of the world, these little like hot spots where people live the longest, one of the things that every single area has in common is as people age, they still have an incredible purpose. Mm -hmm. There are things that they are responsible for every day and their community depends upon them for those things. So yeah, I think one of the most dangerous one of the most dangerous beliefs that people have, whether it's their health, their relationships, you name it, is they'll think, oh, I'm just on neutral. I'm standing on neutral ground. Yeah. Never on neutral ground. You are either moving forward or you are being pushed back. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's no, and, and it's just, I, I see this a lot because I work with a lot of women. I see this a lot in their interpersonal relationships with other women where they have that one friend who's toxic, but they've been grandfathered in. And they think, oh, it's no big deal. We can hang out once a week. It doesn't come at a cost to me. BS, it doesn't come at a cost to you. You leave their presence, you're exhausted, you're negative. You feel like a vampire has sucked the life out of you, but you think you're fine. Everything that we do, there's an exchange of energy. So that's why you're never sitting on, you're never in in neutral. It's one or the other. So yes, your point, I mean, I love that quote because I think it, it, only specific people will fully realize the true power of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because it is, it is one of the things in life that's most frustrating, but it's also one of the greatest opportunities, which is you should always be in a state of learning things about yourself that you don't necessarily, <laughs> you don't really even want to know them. Like yeah, I would, I would prefer that that is not the truth about me, but when For you, sure. when you're open to those things, my gosh, I mean, the amount of growth that you can have, the things that you can accomplish, the 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 lives that you can touch. I mean, you be, you become better in every area of your life when you're constantly like, how can I become better today? Yeah. So, I mean, self-awareness in general, if people would just think about or acknowledge more the thoughts that are happening yes. inside of their own head, literally yes. just, and, and I, I've been seeing like this weird stuff on TikTok that's like people that have like an internal voice or don't have an internal voice. And I, I can't imagine anybody not having an internal voice. I don't know what yeah. the whole like neurotypical and neuro whatever yeah. the, the other term is. But um, the just by paying attention to what's happening inside of your head, mm-hmm. like you can learn so much more and grow so much more than just posting. So and I think a lot of it does have to happen the exact same conversation we were having earlier, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't ever, you know, Andy Frisella calls it like the bitch voice and the boss voice. Mm -hmm. If you don't ever have the boss voice in at all, you just think that this one voice in your head is just telling you this one thing and that must be truth, right? But if you don't ever have those internal dialogues, like if you never do something hard, then you never have the dialogue of should I keep going or should I not? And that one side of your brain saying, keep going. You can do this. And the other side of your brain saying, you're tired. You worked out hard. You did all this stuff. You know what I mean? And so if you never actually introduce yourself to something or have that injection of the boss voice coming in and and telling you another perspective Mm -hmm. and then paying attention to, okay, this voice, this negative voice is super loud during these, when I hang out with this friend. 
right? Yes. Or during these situations or yep. when I'm watching this show, you know, or, or when I'm looking at this Instagram profile, yes. there's so many different things that if you mm -hmm. can just pay a little bit more attention and be a little bit more self-aware, a lot of people could really benefit yes. by just thinking Absolutely. about what they're thinking, which is a, a funny concept. Yeah. hundred percent. Could not agree more. Last thing that I've got for you. Um, you living in California, you even mentioned yeah. early on, mm -hmm. you don't seem to share a lot of the same views as most people in California. What do you think has, has swayed you away from kind of, I guess, the stereotypical um, Californian resident that people think about that are, are flooding to, to Texas and to Florida and everything like that? Well, number one, I'm not brainwashed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on a spiritual side, I feel like there's just a lot of people who are very lost. Yeah. And when you're spiritually lost, you will listen to the loudest voice and the powers that be know that. And they mm. know that when you introduce things like virtue signaling into the mix, you basically gaslight people and convince them that if you don't do certain things, you're not a good person. Mm -hmm. You don't agree with this. You're not a good person. I know who I am. Yep. Right. And even more important than that, I know who I am to God. So, no politician is going to be able to come in and convince me that I'm not who God says that I am. <laughs> mm -hmm. So therefore I can't be persuaded into buying into your rhetoric that I have to do these things. Otherwise I don't care about people. I'm not a good person. I'm selfish. And as a matter of fact, you know, you brought up the things that people say on social media. I mean, during, during COVID I was getting death threats mm -hmm. because I was telling people not to comply. I was telling people not to put on the mask don't do what they're telling you to do. And certainly do not get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Vaccinations are dangerous. I mean, I was called every name in the book for it. How did I know that? Well, because I'm not a sheep because yeah. I did actual research because I literally went in, in and looked at the actual research that Fauci originally, you know, Fauci did all the research on masks yeah. back in the seventies. Okay. So I say that because the reason that I don't share the same views is because my views are not formed based upon what crowds of people believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, 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 I have another quote and I, I think that this is going to really tie into what kind of what we're talking about here. But at the end of the day with the same mentality that we've kind of been talking about that, that people have to try and break out of all the entire time that we've been talking, right? The, 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 the same exact mentality is also the same mentality that is unwilling to consider not only there are other viewpoints that are inside of their own head, but yeah. the other viewpoints that are inside of other people's heads, right? Like yeah. we've seemed to stop being able to have conversations. We've seemed to stop being able to be constructive about any of these things. And so another quote that I want you to consider, okay? And it's specific, it, it, it's talking really about politics. Um, we should be able to criticize the message without being accused of criticizing the goals. Yeah. What does that mean to you in today's society of just bipartisanship and everything like that? Well, I mean, our culture has just gotten so uh, we're, we're living in a cancel culture. Yeah. Right. And there's just no room to, to entertain anyone else's philosophies or ideas other than your own. And <laughs> I think one of the, we, we've gotten so far away from like, well, number one, there, there's only two agendas that are, ha let me, let me zoom all the way out real quick. There's only okay. two agendas that are happening, good and evil. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Right? We don't have time for that conversation. But one of the things, one of the things that has been leveraged in regards to us is to keep us distracted and to keep us divided and to keep us filled with hate for one another and groups that don't think the exact same way that we do. Yep. Right. And in order to affect group, somebody who doesn't think the exact same way that you do, you have to first understand them. Right. Which is why I won't name the groups because I, you know, people might not like what I, what I have, you know, the the groups that I would name, but I like sitting down with people. I like talking to people who are calm, but share completely opposing views to me because it allows me insight into how they arrived at that conclusion. Right. And I think that that's important. It's important because ultimately no one is like with the things that are going on. No one wins. Like we're not winning. We're just distracted and turning on one another instead of looking at the big picture, which is why I love watching parents at these school board meetings now with all this pervy stuff that's going on in schools that kids are being exposed to where you've got Muslim parents, you've got Jewish parents, you've got Christian parents, you've got atheist parents, you've got every type of person who's like, we can agree on this one thing. You're not going to come for our kids. Yeah. Right. And, And that's what we really need. And then also, you know, I don't believe that a politician can save us. Mm-hmm. No. You know, my hope and my faith is not in politics. <laughs> so there are certain people that I would like to not see in office, but also if they get into office, that's not going to change what I'm doing. Yeah. Your life goes on. My life is going on. And I think, you know, but it's such a bigger, it's such a bigger play to try and control the population yep. and to spread fear and to spread hate. Because if you get people divided, they're easily controlled. People who are not divided, people, a unified people who are all agreed that what's happening is wrong. This is BS. Are you know everything that's? I won't get into all of it, but essentially all the things that are currently going on in this country that are hurting people. If every single group that was different from one another got together and went, but we can agree on this. These things wouldn't be allowed. The only reason that they're being allowed is because we are divided. And when you're divided, you're weak. You know, Mm -hmm. that's why even with the family unit now in America, that's why they attack the family unit. They don't want people to be unified. There's power in unity. There's weakness in division. Right. So yeah, a lot of my, a lot of my views, it's just so funny because now with the spectrum, you go, oh, that's so conservative. It, It doesn't seem, you know, to me, it's not conservative. It's, it's, based on facts. It's not just my opinion. You, If you're able to unemotionally zoom all the way out of something and look at the data, yeah, that's how the majority of all my, you know, all my opinions are formed. Like, but people aren't interested in facts. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and, it's, and it, it is all emotional it. based and it's, it, we're truly in trouble being in a, a, a state where we kind of are right now. Yes. Where you can't have those conversations really anymore. Yeah. And I, I think that's yeah. why that's such a powerful qu- quote is because you should be able to criticize the message without being able, being accused of criticizing the goals because, you know, this is a, a hot topic right now. And we don't even need to get into the polit- politics of it. But like in Texas, for example, you know, it's pe- people are talking about like we're on the brink of secession and that, you know, it's war with the federal government and all these other things going on. But it's like you should be able to talk about border control and reform without being accused of 
you're keeping everybody out of the country because you hate 100%. people and you're, you're racist. You know, that, that's yeah, just like a, exactly. like, how do you even get to that conclusion? It's like, no, what, this is obviously a problem and the statistics and everything shows that and it's dangerous and the statistics and yeah. everything show that. So it's like, why can't everyone put their heads together and figure out a solution together? Because this is going to be all of our problems if it doesn't get fixed. Yeah. And so I think that's why we're kind of in, in trouble. And so yes. it'll be very interesting to see. Yes, um, what happens over the course of this year, it'll be very interesting to see how, you know, all the, ha the hacking stuff, and we don't even have to go down the, the road of AT&T shut down for a long time yesterday. And people are wondering if that was a hack or what that was. My phone was in SOS mode for most of the day yesterday. And it's like a lot of crazy stuff going on. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I do think that it's, it's a much larger play to try and create as much chaos and much division as much, you know, non-uniformity within the American people as yes. possible. And I think it's being yes. pushed as left versus right when in reality it's we're all red, white, and blue, and we yeah. all should be trying to push for, for the same thing, which is, you know, prosperity and peace and, and just overall thriving of, of yep. us as a country, right? Yes. No matter what you believe politically. So I, I was curious and I was wanting to, to kind of ask that question because where you are, we had, we got into a conversation the other day and I was like, okay, I can definitely tell that she, she doesn't have the same kind of views and, and mentality. So I, of most people in California, I, and I, that's probably a generalization yeah. to me, but um, no, it's not, it's not. And all my friends, I mean, we all share the same exact, we, uh, I say all my inner circle We're we're yeah. in the same boat. And by the way, in California, we're living it. Yeah, you are. Right. So, so from a virtue signaling standpoint, you know, like when I go pay my taxes, my taxes are going to be 50%. Mm -hmm. Like it's insane. The cost of living in California, insane. Homelessness, insane. Yeah. The roads destroyed. Where is all of our money going? We're constantly in a drought. What is the, I won't get into all of it, but when you're living it and you're not going, I have to believe this because otherwise people might think I'm not a good person. Mm -hmm. When you're awake and you can see clearly the facts of what's going on and it actually comes at a cost to you. Yeah. For example, I had a kidney infection years ago. I went to the hospital. It cost me $9,500 for four hours at the hospital because I didn't know I had a kidney infection. My fever, you know, rose to 104. I could have died. Yeah. I get hit with a $9,500 bill. Other people get to go to the hospital. No cost. Mm -hmm. They're not citizens. Mm -hmm. They're here illegally. Tell me how that makes sense yeah. for me as somebody who pays their taxes, who works hard, who isn't here illegally, who does all the right things. And now I need health care. I need you to provide me four hours of service. And that's going to cost me $10,000. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's that expensive to offset so that somebody else can come in here for free. Yeah, and that's where you get into the the it's, weeds of just what you get into the, you the get system into the itself. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't believe that like people should be put out. I don't believe I believe that people should have access to things yeah, like that. Yeah, hundred percent. But when it comes knocking on your door, where you're being price gouged to offset certain things, it's just mm -hmm. wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just complete. It's completely wrong. And yeah. yeah, there's a lot of stuff in California that's just crazy that I'm. I there is and, yeah. and everywhere really i mean there's there's it is a it's a very i think the pendulum i'm hoping will swing back more neutral right more um silent majority 
right? Where, where most people I feel like tend to live. Cause I haven't had a ton of conversations where it does get absurdly like illogical and, 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 you know, besides social media, you know, in yeah. person, it seems to be most people do have a more neutral stance and you can try and have a conversation with them that it doesn't end in a shouting match. That's right. But what you're being fed, like you said, is, is all the loud stuff like squeaky wheel gets the grease. Right. And so that that's a, a lot of what we're seeing. Yes. Um, so it, it's sad and it's unfortunate, but I, I do yes. hope that, that this, this, eventually the elections and everything cannot be so polarizing and, and we can kind of get back into just a normal, mm-hmm. which is weird to say, even just asking for a normal cycle of politics and a normal cycle of elections that doesn't, it's never isn't gonna aimed at just emotionally grabbing every single person for one way or the other for in the country. Yeah. So yeah, we'll There's- see. Yes. We will. I, I have, I have no hope that that's going to happen. I yeah. think it's probably only going to get worse. It seems to be. It just why it's important just to keep your sanity and mental health exactly right? strong because the world around us is changing in profound ways that you know we're not we're not going back. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately not. Yeah. So one question that I always ask every guest is, "What are you, Ashley Conrad, going to accomplish by any means necessary within your life?" Oh, good. That's a good one. I would say. What am I going to accomplish by any means necessary? Well, number one, helping as many people as I possibly can with my time here, however long that is. Um, Two is getting chains off of people who are stuck and broken and hurting and helping them to live their best life. Three, continuing to move forward and building a fitness super brand Mm -hmm. and seeing that reach, you know, it's all of its fullness. And that, yeah. I mean, if those three, if those, just those three things, I'd be a very happy person. Yeah, I imagine so. And I have yeah. no doubt that you'll accomplish all three of those, even with the the stuff I know you're not kind of ready to talk about or anything yet that we were discussing um, with, with supplements and with everything before, before we actually press record here. I have no doubts that you're going to accomplish everything you set out thank to do you. as you have so far. It. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for your time and just being thank on here. You. I know you're super busy. But I had a blast talking great. to you, and, and I'm definitely going to have to have you on again soon to update us on everything, okay? Likewise. Thank you, Baker. Right. Thanks, Ashley. Bye. If you made it this far, thank you so much. From the bottom of my heart, it means so much to me for you to just consume an, an entire episode, really. So um, I hope you guys got as much out of that conversation with Ashley as I did. It was an absolute blast, and I know for a fact there were so many things that we didn't even get into that she could share that would just blow all of our minds. So. Thank you for watching the show. If you do not want to miss upcoming guests, make sure that you're subscribed or following the show on whatever platform that you're listening to or consuming this episode on. And also, if you want to help me grow the show, make sure to share it with a friend if you got something out of it. So whether it's just a timestamp that you send to somebody or sending the entire episode, it would mean the world to me because it just means more eyeballs can get on this stuff and maybe more lives can be impacted. More mentalities can be shifted, kind of like the conversation that Ashley and I were having on here. Leave a review if you're listening on any type of audio platform that helps us to grow as well. And if you want to interact with any of Ashley's businesses and things that she's got going on or help me and help the show in any way that you can, all that stuff's linked down in the description. As always, feel free to find it all there and go into whatever you'd like to go into. I appreciate you all and I'll see you in the next one.